Assalamu alaikum and welcome to another episode of Share Diversity, the Muslim Businesswoman podcast, where we share the diversities of Muslims in the media. Before you jump into this episode, make sure you are subscribed to the podcast, you review us on iTunes, and inshallah, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, where we share more insights into business, branding, and womanhood. Today, we talked with Sina bin Yunus, also known as the Salafi Feminist. She is a writer, blogger, and activist, especially for women's rights in Islam. And we talked about modesty, social media, and building your voice online without sacrificing your values. We talked about a lot of different things. It was so exciting. Please excuse the quality of the audio file because I was a little bit sick. Though I really loved our conversation and I'm sure you will too. So let's get straight into it. I can imagine because you are bringing awareness to a lot of important topics that have been silenced over the years from just the system that is in place because you're very honest and authentic in the in the way you speak did you ever write something that you didn't want to post or publish no i think the problem is that i post or publish almost everything in my mind <laughs> um my my problem is more you know should i actually write this Or not? And to be honest, most of the time, I believe that there is a reason for me to put out there whatever I do. Um, and some people might object to it, and some people might have certain issues with it, and I can understand certain concerns that people might have, but I'm also not interested in coddling people. like Because a lot of people will be like, oh, you're too harsh, and to this, and to that. And I was like, I don't care, honestly. I don't care about people's feelings or the patriarchy's feelings about this. Because that's all women have been doing for so long. It's always about like, oh, you know, speak quietly. We don't want to upset them. And there's a certain way to adjust. I'm like, no, I'm done with that. I'm tired of that. And if you don't like what I have to say, well, too bad. Like, you're going to hear it anyway. <laughs> Someone gave me that medium, so I'm going to use it. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't even that. Subhanallah, like, to be honest, like I said, I've never had this idea, this agenda of like, oh, I'm going to go here and do this or go there and do that. It's just, especially with social media, right? It's everybody has their own platform. Yeah. And I'm I'm not sitting around waiting for people to give me platforms. When Like when I start, first started writing, it was just, here I am and I'm going to throw my thoughts out there in the world. And if somebody agrees with it, great. If somebody doesn't agree with it, great. We can have discussions. Yeah. And that's it. Like I just believe in putting those thoughts and those ideas out there. And yeah, because you have to engage with topics. That most people don't want to face. But hmm. we don't all have the luxury of that oblivion and that ignorance. Like, I remember how naive and innocent I was before. And, yeah, it's great to be innocent and not be exposed hmm. to, like, the horrible realities of life. But I'm sorry. Once you go through it, that's not something I'm going to be silent about. Yeah. Because you're one of the voices that I think a lot of women see themselves in. Why they might not agree with all the words you use to describe things. Because everyone defines things differently. <laughs> and have their own political uh, definitions of things. I, I think a lot of what you say resonates with young women. I wanted to talk to you about the term modesty. And especially as someone that writes out of heart, gut, emotions radical opinions you have about the world and real true honest experiences you have as well and you went through mm -hmm. how would you define the term modesty for yourself for me modesty isn't about being silent and being quiet and being invisible for me modesty comes from 
having a sense of haya in in a spiritual sense mm. so trying as much as possible to conduct myself appropriately as in you know not engaging in appropriate interactions with you know the opposite gender um obviously there's the physical modesty and then there's spiritual modesty mm-hmm. so physical modesty obviously like the way that you dress i personally wear niqab the the general rules and observations regarding hijab and mixed gender interaction things like that personal modesty i don't believe like i said it means being silent i don't know how else to put it really i mean subhanallah it's i feel like mm-hmm. the word modesty for with regards to women in particular we've been given this idea that oh a modest woman is always quiet is always demure is always silent is always polite like very sweetly polite makes everybody else feel better about themselves mm-hmm. i don't believe that's modesty i believe that's being shoved into a box and being told to live according to other people's comfort levels yeah I can be modest while being myself. So that means being loud, sharing opinions that other people don't want to hear, mm. talking about things other people don't want to hear. Um uh, when it comes to mm. Muslim sex ed, that's a topic um that I'm very invested in and learning about and teaching about as well. That I think my approach to Muslim sex ed is what I believe encompasses the idea of Islamic modesty, which is that you can speak bluntly, openly and honestly about even sexual matters without being flirtatious, without being crude, without being nasty. It's about conducting yourself in a generally res- respectful manner when it comes to the conversation at hand and the topic of the conversation at hand. So again when it comes to from sex ed being willing to talk very openly about like sexual intercourse what's halal what's haram talking about lowering the gaze talking about the desires that men and women do have but again in a very straightforward way and mashallah i think your definition is really interesting because i googled before and i found the definition which i really don't agree with but that's just the general definition approving the quality of not talking about or not trying to make people notice your abilities and achievements which is one part of modesty but obviously in looking from it from a point of view from a muslim woman there's like mm-hmm. a lot of different depths to that word and things that we assign to that word that is not like included in this and what you say is like you can be yourself and you can still be modest and be just respectful i think my definition would be very similar to yours it's just like using the beauty that Allah has given you and whatever is it is its words its actions its is your mindset is your opinions your appearance of course as well and showcasing it in a way that would please him and be worthy representation of the values of Islam exactly and that doesn't mean to be silence that is actually a much better way of putting what i did <laughs> i mean for myself my idea of a muslim woman who encompasses modesty is someone like Aisha radiyallahu anha or Hafsa radiyallahu anha or Zainab bin Jash radiyallahu anha or Asma bint Umais radiyallahu anha or any of these women from the Sahaba the women of the Sahaba were those who in, who lived haya in its true mm. sense mm. these self-same women were not quiet demure and silent they didn't go live off in a corner and were just like oh okay we're just gonna you know do whatever the men tell us to do and and make them feel better about themselves they were very active in their communities they were very spiritual they were very religious but they were very strong they they learned the deen mm-hmm. the same way that the men did at the hands of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam they lived the deen every single day they watched islam grow when the ayat of hijab came what and this is something that i always find is like so mind-blowingly amazing especially when we have discussions about hijab these days it's almost always in the context of men telling women how we should be yeah. and what hijab should mean to us but when you read the tafsir about the ayat of hijab 
When the ayat came down and they were recited to the woman, the woman didn't wait for Rasulullah to tell them, hey, you need to take this cloth and cover yourself this way and that way and the other way. Mm-hmm. Instead, Aisha anha herself narrates, you know, how praiseworthy are the women of the Ansar. The verses of hijab came and they immediately tore the fabric from their waist wrappers to cover their heads and their faces. Mm. As though crows are perched above their heads, right? That's how the, the wording goes. Yeah. And so for me, what that highlights is these women were so keen on obeying Allah and so perceptive of just spiritual awareness. Like they had this sense of Allah said this, I'm going to please Allah to the best of my ability. This is what I understand these words to mean and I'm going to implement it right away. Mm-hmm. And so these women were the ones who themselves understood hijab to mean a certain thing and they immediately undertook it. And so they covered themselves physically, but they didn't silence themselves in terms of who they were. The hijab, the mm-hmm. physical hijab, did not entail silencing their inner voices. Instead, it empowered them further. It was hijab itself, and mm-hmm. Sheikh Akram talks about this as well. Physical hijab is what gives us the license to go out and engage with the world because we're supposed to be a part of this world. We are supposed to be engaged with those around us. We're supposed to be active. We're supposed to be aware. We're supposed to contribute. We're supposed to learn and study and teach and, and do things in this world. And that's part and parcel of, of haya. You know, it's doing those things in a manner that is pleasing to Allah. And I also feel, because I have that conversation a lot of times with uh, non-Muslims who ask, you know, why do you choose and do you need to, blah, 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 all that normal talk. Imagine you live in a world where we all cover up and we're all decent and we all practice it. Imagine what kind of conversations we would have. So much better conversations, subhanAllah. Yeah, you know, conversations that would not, you know, superficial. Exactly. Look at her, like, look at him, look at what yesterday and today and da-da-da. It would be just an elevation of the way we treat each other and the way we discuss about things. And I have a question for you because a lot of sisters come to me and ask me how they can use the opportunities that social media give and the reach that the media has to amplify their voices while keeping their modesty because some girls, for example, regard their voice as something that they like to hide under the term of modesty in a way that I don't want to expose it to the male ears, for example. Or I don't want to expose too much of my personal life my name or the experiences that I have because that is something that I consider modesty. So for sisters that struggle with this term and like insecurities about what they should showcase and what is pleasing or accepted, what would you tell them of how they can still use media and especially social media to you know showcase their voices and their opinions? I mean, what's great about social media is that you control what you put out there. Yeah, the whole issue of, like, a woman's voice being out. Personally, I, that's one of my huge pet peeves. And, you know what, I respect those who, they might hold out an opinion for themselves. May Allah reward them for their intentions. Personally, I think it's Mm. part of what we've been conditioned into believing. And I think it's totally wrong. Because there is no Islamic evidence to say that a woman's voice is out at all. Um, I think it's either a weak or entirely fabricated hadith altogether so not even in reciting the quran for example so even even with that so when the quran talks about women's voices it's not oh don't talk to men it's be conscious and aware of how you talk to mm. men so not beautifying your voice in a flirtatious manner for mm. example you know and there's a huge difference between the tone of voice that we use with our spouse mm. or really good friends or when we are When we are being like tender and nurturing and loving and things like that. Mm-hmm. And then there's a tone of voice that you use with the rest of the world. You're going to be businesslike. You're going to be straightforward. Um, you're going to be very blunt. Mm-hmm. You can be polite and you can be respectful and whatever. But 
our voice is not in and of itself aura what matters is how you use it and that applies to like every aspect of our lives and yeah the main thing is as long as you are conducting yourself professionally with respect with dignity it's fine you're good to go it's always a matter of how are you engaging with the other person with the opposite gender um, and you now you brought up the issue of quran recitation and that's a topic that i am so passionate about because under the whole idea of like oh a woman's voice is aura female recitation of quran isn't allowed publicly a thing that's you know an idea um that's been put in many people's minds both men and women and i am very adamantly against it and i've done not like totally in-depth research but enough that i am very confident that no the recitation of quran is not considered to be aura for women to recite around men or in front of men or any of that there's actually a lot of mashayikh who will say like yeah the recitation of quran of all things is the one thing that you don't say like oh this is seductive you know these are the words of allah and anybody who has it in their mind like oh wow a woman's voice reciting quran is really sexy and it's turning me on and whoa that is their problem and they have a sickness in their hearts that they need to deal with that if they hear the words of allah in a woman's voice it's giving them a reaction that they shouldn't be having that makes a lot of sense that's a problem in them that's not a problem with us anything in life you can twist things around to just suit what you want and what you desire exactly it's a lot about the intention and that is you're right it's the truest and the purest form of speech we can ever utter exactly basically. Um, and then going back to this whole idea of like being on social media and being modest i think it's very easy i think the problem is that there is a certain culture that exists on social media in some circles that says oh you won't be able to have an impact or a voice or whatever you can't amplify yourself if you don't put up pictures of yourself if you don't talk about your personal life very much that's not true I'm generally open about a lot of aspects of my life. Like I'll talk about my parents or my child and like occasionally about, you know, my my husband or whatever, but not not very much. That tends to be like what I keep on my personal Facebook page. Um, but when I'm talking seriously to others, I personally don't have any problem talking about my divorce, for example, my previous marriage, things that happened there, because those are learning experiences. I'm not sharing those things, those stories just for the sake of it. I'm not sharing it to get likes i'm not sharing it to get like pity points or whatever mm. i share things as i believe is necessary for other women to realize they're not alone and to make other people realize like men or those women who haven't experienced these things to make them realize what sorts of experiences other muslim women do have mm. because a lot of the time they're supposed to be like oh well this doesn't happen and i'll be like no it happened to me it happened to a lot of women that i know mm. if we don't talk about a lot of the experiences that we have nobody will know that this is the reality that we live in but there's a there's a way that you can talk about these things there's you don't have to just throw every little tiny detail out there either you know and i think it's really a personal journey i mean my husband's a lot more private so there are times when you know he'll ask me not to share certain things and out of respect for him i won't for the most part like i said i'm fairly open about a lot of aspects of my life simply like i said for really educational purposes in order to help others relate to a certain reality or to learn from that experience yeah it's definitely a personal journey and take it slow never feel obligated that's another thing that i find baffling where a lot of people are like well you know on instagram you have to do this or you have to do that i'm like no you don't who said that it's not the rule <laughs> like just because everybody else exactly. is doing it doesn't mean you have to for example the whole culture of you know, instagram hijabis 
and I personally find it extremely distasteful. I think it's very possible for you to be a Muslim woman on social media and not advertise yourself and not turn into a walking advertisement for like every cosmetics company on the planet. Yeah. And if you if you choose to do it, go for it. But if you don't, you need to know there is another way of doing it. There's a lot of different ways of doing it. Um, I'll be very honest. I have an extreme distaste for the whole Instagram hijabi style culture and the YouTube hijabi culture. I think it's been very toxic. I think it's created an idea in many Muslim women's lives and young Muslim girls, especially that you are not a cool hijabi unless you dress a certain way or behave a certain way or like the only okay way to be a Muslim girl is to be like this or to dress like that. And this, it's just another iteration of female exploitation that makes me really sad to see Muslim women buying into it and perpetuating it. And really it's like the same, exactly the same toxic ideas that are perpetuated by the fashion and beauty industries. Not to say that there's anything wrong with like makeup and fashion in and of itself, but it has a time and it has its place. But going back to the idea of modesty, like, yeah, I fully believe that part of hijab, part of actual modesty for a Muslim woman is not exploiting oneself publicly in that way and not flaunting those things publicly in that way. It's not appropriate. And there's a lot of reasons that it's not appropriate. It's not just because like, oh, fitna for men. It's also because, like I said, more than the fitna to men, I feel, you know, with the whole hijabista instagram hijabista youtube hijabista culture it's less about oh how are we attracting men and more about how are we perpetuating toxicity and horrific body image ideals amongst other women and girls like to me that's a really really serious problem Mm -hmm. and that is the one aspect of muslim women on social media that i would personally love to see eradicated (laughs) because i think it, it has caused so much harm and you start off from that and then there's the whole culture of like oh well don't judge me oh you just don't like me because you're judging me as a bad muslim because i wear makeup no that's not what i'm judging you for i'm pointing out a very valid criticism about again the extremely negative impact that this is having on an entire demographic of muslim women and we are kind of losing the way of looking at the right role models because young girls and even women in our age would see these outwardly successful women on instagram and on youtube and be like okay that is my role model because she has reach and she has you know impact and whatever instead of going back to all these women from Islamic history that we can actually learn from and that we can actually see as our role models, a way to, you know, admire and and thrive to be better like them. So I think there's just a, a whole shift of who are our role models. Yeah, definitely. It's just a cry for representation more than... Yeah, and, and that's sad to me because I feel like we do have Muslim women representation in a lot of other amazing ways. We just don't give them the same attention Mm -hmm. you know i mean there's female scholars that exist today we have people like sheikha tamara gray sheikha aisha wazwaz sheikha shazia ahmed sheikha sofia roberts there's a lot of muslim women doing amazing things we've got people like naima roberts yes please name drop everyone yeah yeah naima robert megan wyatt gosh there's just so many muslim women like my face my social media interactions for the most part and like the the women that i follow like i don't follow any of these instagram hijabistas or YouTube hijabi says, I'm not interested, I derive no benefit from it, it is very toxic to me, and so I cultivate the social groups that 
I want to grow and learn from. And like I said, all these amazing women doing amazing things. They're writing, they're, you know, doing workshops, they're engaged in community activism on so many levels, both within the Muslim community and the non-Muslim community. They're studying Islam, they're teaching Islam, they're working on empowering other Muslim women, they're helping create a more positive environment in Nesset, they're social support groups for converts. There are women who are doing so many amazing things, but it's up to us to decide who we're going to take as a role model and who we're going to elevate and who we're going to give that attention to. The only reason that anyone has reach or impact is because other people choose to give them attention for whatever reason. Yes, I just wanted to say that because as a convert, I know that if you go and research on things and I, I know about social media, I know SEO and I know uh, who's going to come up in my search when I look for certain things. There's just not the right people coming up in the search. And that is because we don't elevate the right people. We don't, you know, post amazing things about the right women. We just talk bad about the ones that we don't agree with. And we give them platform where we should have given other women a platform that could actually be role models and be leading people like me that are looking for female guidance and just don't find it because it's not local mm -hmm. in the Western cultures. You know, we are very separated. Um, if you live in, a, obviously, if you live in places like London or like a big, you know, hubs where you can see a lot of Muslims, you have a community, a local community. But if you live in a village, your research and your resources are mostly online. Mm -hmm. So what we're not doing right is promoting those women with the right voices up. So they come up for the right people when they look for guidance. Exactly, exactly. And so, yeah, subhanAllah, like I said, for me, I believe it's about cultivating the social circle, both in person, in real life, as well as online. That reflects your values. So if we really care about Muslim women's education and female scholarship, we're going to find and we're going to look for and we're going to amplify the voices of those women who are doing that. Like I said, Sheikha Aisha Waswas, mm -hmm. Sheikha Tamara Gray, Sheikha Um Jamaluddin, Sheikha Safiya Ravitz, Sheikha Shazia Ahmed. Mm -hmm. There are so, so many women. We just have to look for them. And they are there on social media. All the names that I just dropped, they're all on Facebook. Mm -hmm. And some of them are on Twitter as well. And they're active and they're engaged. They write articles. We've got Ustaz Maryam Amir Ibrahimi, who, mashallah, has a lot of stuff online in terms of articles and Facebook posts and things like that. There are so many women who are doing all these amazing things. And those are the women that I would say take as role models. If you want to find out how you can be a Muslim woman on social media who is modest but is still achieving amazing things, those women are amazing examples because they're out there doing things that need to be done and are upholding Islamic values all the way. Nice. I think later on you have to write a list of all these Muslim women online to follow and we can like put them up on the website. So on social media, inshallah. Yeah, for sure. I've actually put together um, a list of these female teachers and activists online. It's on my blog and I repost it every few months on my social media as well. And I can increase the list as well because, yeah, like I said, they're, they're there. They're accessible. Nice, inshallah. I have another question because apart from the topic of modesty, there's another issue that a lot of sisters face in the community, which is coming from 
cultures that are very have very closely knit families. It's not only the fear of not being modest, but the fear of being judged by the people around you and by basically your family. Yeah. What could you tell them, like maybe like three to five action steps, how they can really like speak their truths and be honest and authentic online and not afraid of judgment? Okay, I'm a terrible person to ask this question to because I literally don't care what anybody in my family thinks. <laughs> so then three action steps of how to stop caring. <laughs> like that's literally the only answer I have is like, don't mm-hmm. care. Like, why do you care? I mean, obviously, like, you care to some extent, like, your parents or your spouse, you know, and that can make things awkward. I can Mm -hmm. understand that particular struggle. My general approach is, like, I just put out whatever I want out there. Mm -hmm. Um, And if my parents are upset with me about something or don't want me to do something, if there's, like, a solid religious reason or if they're, like, upset enough that I'm, like, okay, the benefits of pleasing my parents is Mm -hmm. greater than the benefit of whatever I put out there Mm -hmm. on social media. Then I'll delete it or I'll edit it or whatever, but not every single time. And like I'm also kind of lucky in the sense that my parents have a long time ago already been like, you're your own person and we're just not responsible for you anymore. So whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and then with my husband, it's kind of like an ongoing negotiation. You know, for the most part, I, I say whatever I want. And then if there are things he thinks are not appropriate or should be worded better or whatever it is, like we'll have a discussion about it. And I mean, usually I'll acquiesce to his request because he's usually okay about like and chill about you know how we have these discussions mm-hmm. but i'll also argue my case i'll always argue i don't go down without a fight yeah. <laughs> and when it comes to extended family and friends and any of that i'm like i just don't care I really don't. Like, why do we care about the judgment of other people? Are they impacting our daily lives? Are they paying our bills? Are they raising my mm. kids? Are they married to my husband? <laughs> you know, are are they my parents? No? Okay. I don't care. Like, your opinion means literally nothing to me right now. Yeah, there should be a filter that we should apply. And also, I think the other thing is what you're afraid of being judged for. Because obviously, you share a lot of your personal experience. Because you never know which piece can actually impact another woman's life positively. Yep. But if you are in a a different field, if you're, for example, in law or you want to create a business or you're in arts, like you don't need to share all your personal stuff. You can literally just share your Mm -hmm. products. And there's also a difference between storytelling and concept telling. So you don't always need to tell your personal story. Mm -hmm. You can talk about the concept of something and people know it's out of personal experience or it's just out of your expertise. There's very different ways of communicating and you don't need to go down the path that everyone goes just because that's what everyone does a lot of things work yeah precisely just carve your own way yeah you know there's so many different approaches experiment carve your own way decide what you're comfortable with and what you're not never feel pressured to do something a certain way because that's how everybody else does it you're not everybody else you're your own self so you make those decisions for yourself i mean i get a lot of hate and a lot of flack and there's a, mm. i know there's a lot of people that don't like me i don't care Like, okay, you hate me. How does that make a difference in my day? It doesn't. It doesn't change the weather. It doesn't change how my kids are going to be today. It doesn't impact my work. It has zero real-world impact on me. So if there's, like, some dude who is, like, blowing up because he can't handle me saying something, sharing my opinion, well, okay, have a nice day, dude. (laughs) The only person you're upsetting is yourself. Yeah, it's like shifting the mindset of what really matters and then filtering out who really matters because in the end it's like less than your hand full you can count Mm -hmm. that really matter it it truly boggles me it 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 boggles my mind when people are like oh but people are gonna say this about me so what (laughs) like i don't understand i truly struggle to comprehend this Mm. like unless they are my 
like I said, my immediate family who have like rights on me and whom I truly care about in a deep, impactful capacity. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, my, my dearest, truest friends who I know are, you know, looking out for me for the sake of Allah. The opinions of some random auntie or uncle are irrelevant. Like, why do you care? That's the always the answer that, that I have for them is another really just a question because I don't have any answers. Like, oh, well, what if people judge me? What if they do? Mm. Last set of questions is about your growth, basically. So you do a lot of writing um, since forever, it seems, and for a lot of different channels, mashallah. What is kind of like your objective or your vision for your writing? The objective for my writing is always, inshallah, to provide some kind of Islamic benefit for others. Drawing upon Islamic sources, um, again, ayat, ahadith, the stories, of sahabiyat female scholarship that kind of thing and empowering both men and women to not just to recognize and accept certain realities that exist in our communities but also going forward fighting it what can we do to change it if we talk about muslim sex ed for example okay we know that there's a lot of unhealthy ideas about sex in the muslim community now how does islam actually look at these issues how do we change these things for the better and so that's why Um, For some time, I and my mom, actually, we were doing a series of workshops in our local communities addressing Muslim sex ed from the age of zero. So, like, from when Mm -hmm. you're a child and newborn, moving onwards. So that's really just focusing on, like, okay, sex ed is not just talking about sex itself. It's about our development, our physical development, cultivating hayat in our children, Mm -hmm. talking to our children about awrah. Um, being aware of issues like child molestation, child abuse, Mm -hmm. sexual abuse in general, how to differentiate between safe touch and unsafe touch, making sure that our children feel safe and are equipped with the vocabulary and the tool to understand these issues, being ourselves very aware of very uncomfortable realities that exist, how to protect our kids, educate ourselves, okay, kids who are beginning to experience puberty, what are the things we need to talk to them about? Not just about their physical growth, but emotionally and psychologically as well. Developing sexual desires, uh, starting to notice the opposite gender and having that like natural human inclination towards like flirting with them or wanting to have a relationship with them. How do we address all these issues? That's what my objective is. Being able to discuss these matters slowly in detail and providing solutions and being like, this is what we can do. When it comes to, you know, ideas about gender, okay, these are the really horrible, toxic, unhealthy mentalities that we have surrounding gendered issues what can we do about it partitions in the masjid for example a lot of unhealthy ideas behind that it doesn't mean that like all barriers in the masjid are evil they actually can be very useful at times i wear niqab and i actually appreciate having a barrier in the masjid in certain contexts and certain areas so that i can relax that i can remove my niqab and engage with other women and just like be chill and relaxed there are other times when I don't think a barrier is necessary. I am totally okay and supportive and actually enjoy being able to pray salah in jama'ah in like the same way that Rasulullah and his companions used to do, which is that men were in the first rows, children were in the middle rows, and women were in the back rows. There's something very spiritually invigorating about knowing this is how Rasulullah and his companions used to pray. Mm. Um, so being able to tackle all these different issues not just being critical about things Mm. but providing a new way of thinking about them Mm. dismantling the ideas that already exist and providing a better inshallah more positive solution inshallah mashallah you're really bringing the discussions into the reality to change things all the best for it it sounds beautiful mashallah how do you go about to really improve yourself as just a woman a woman a career woman Someone who wants to improve her her projects as well. Like you say, bringing your discussions into workshops and really impacting communities. 
how do you improve yourself like do you read books you're listening to um, podcasts videos what do you do so this is like another one of those questions i'm like i'm the worst person to ask this question to because i like don't do any of those things like a lot of people are into like self-help and self-development and stuff like that and i'm just like i'm just trying to get through my day (laughs) (laughs) um so for me it's i honestly feel like i accidentally fall into all of these things like i'm not like okay i am gonna say this this is my goal and I'm going to accomplish this. Mm. You know, I mean, I have vague ideas like, okay, cool, I want to do this. Am I going to be able to do it within this time frame? Probably not, but let me just call together whatever I can. In terms of personal development, it's always, of course, making dua. Like, mm. first and foremost, no matter what it is, always make dua. Asking Allah to, like, cleanse and purify your heart. Asking mm. Allah to guide you to that which is most pleasing to Him. Ask Him to guide you to the resources that are going to be most beneficial to you. Dua, 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 and ask Allah to always guide you and to say and do the things that are most pleasing to Him. Mm. I do enjoy listening to, of course, like, you know, Islamic lectures, spirituality, things like that. I personally have found that Sheikha Tamara Gray is somebody whom I've learned a lot from just listening to her podcasts. Uh, she's got a series called Joy Dot, and it's based on her book of the same name. And I'm not usually somebody who reads like, the warm, fuzzy stuff and inspirational quotes. Like, I have zero patience for those things. I'm like, cool, great, whatever. But I really appreciate Sheikh Tamra's book, Joy Dot. Kind of like takes things one day at a time. Just like a small thing to think about and, and just focus on and just being spiritually aware. So her podcast, I've definitely learned from and appreciate that. And just mm. honestly, Islamic lectures in general, whenever I can squeeze them in, whether I'm listening to like Sheikh Anwar al-Awlaqi or Yasser Burjas or you know, like I said, Sheikh Tamara, uh, Sheikh Um Jamal al-Din, uh, Sheikh Akram Nadwi is somebody whom I feel like I've learned a lot from as well. And and just being conscious, just being aware. Be aware and try to make just small changes in your life and have people around you who are looking out for you and who do want mm-hmm. the best for you. Mm-hmm. And I'm like this very blunt person who just like kind of runs with whatever is in my brain at any given point which is not always a great thing um and I have like my parents and my husband who like always keep me in check and sometimes I find it really annoying and it's really frustrating and I will fight with them and I will argue with them but I will admit that sometimes yes they're right (laughs) and I'll I'll listen to like what their recommendations are or what their advices were sometimes that they will just plain out tell me like this is wrong stop doing it (laughs) and I'm like okay fine but really it is for the better in the end. Yeah. It's really interesting because even if you have if you don't have that routine of okay, this is the book that I'm gonna read this month and all the steps that you have to take, it's really good that you gave the advice to have people around you to keep you in check because that is really a trackable way to see if you're improving. To have feedback from the people that most yep. know, know you. Have those people who really love you, who are you know sincere in their desire to to see you improve and to be a better person, to be a better slave of Allah. That's always what the end goal is, right? And that I am really blessed to have people like that in my life. Like I said, some I don't always like it, <laughs> but I will fight and I will argue. You know, I'll be like, it's not even that big of a deal, and then like months later, I'll be like, okay, fine, you were right. <laughs> it has to hurt sometimes to work. But yeah, definitely. And having that sincere advice mm. from people around you. Thank you, mashallah. I think to wrap it up, I would have one more question for someone who just wants to start getting into media and start writing. Uh, what advice would you give them to just start? Just write. Literally, just start writing. Um, write and read. Read a lot. Find out everything else that other people are saying on the topic. You don't have to agree with it. Just learn. Learn, 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 learn. Learn everything. Do all the reading. 
interact with other people the one thing that does annoy me about new writers is like when they don't do any research and they choose a topic and they're like cool so i'm gonna say this and ask these questions and whatever and i'm like this has already been done like a million times over you are offering nothing new nothing original nothing creative mm. like all you had to do was google it <laughs> and you'd find like 50 different results but you haven't even done that much mm. you know so do research learn read interact with other people i personally love social media because it gives me exposure to so many other thoughts and ideas and i might think like oh wow i have like this amazingly creative original idea and then turns out it's not mm. at all <laughs> but that's okay like you don't have to create like all this new content or whatever just be sincere share genuine thoughts and emotions but be intelligent about it mm. don't just like spew dumb stuff because you just want to put something out there do your research like i said just do your research learn always learn and definitely seek you know correct islamic sources authentic mm -hmm. I'm conservative, so obviously I'm biased, and I'm, I believe very firmly in, in seeking out those orthodox and conservative sources and learning what they have to say and learning what they've got to teach about these things. And you don't always have to agree with them. I mean, I disagree mm. on so many different things. But the point is that, you know, you're trying to learn. Yeah, yeah. You're trying to be aware, aware of what's out there, and you're always genuinely seeking to please Allah and say and do that which is pleasing to Him and that which will, inshallah, have benefit. Nice, alhamdulillah, mashallah. Thank you. For, to wrap it up, what top one up to three questions would you give the listeners that they can answer in the comments below about the topics that we spoke about? So honesty, modesty, speaking your truth, picking the right, right role models. You can choose whatever question you want to ask. What I would say um, is regardless of what the topic is, always ask yourself, what is my intention? What is my intention? Am I being sincere? Am I doing this because I want to please Allah or not? I know a lot of people want to go into social media to have a platform, to have impact. Don't do it for that. That's not what the point should be. The point should never be like, oh, I want to like get 100,000 followers and talk to people. Okay, about what? Why? It should never be about building your own brand or your own personal following or whatever. It should always be that there's a higher goal there. There's something deeper behind it it should always somehow be related to your relationship with allah and to improving society in some way so ask yourself always whatever it is that i'm doing on whatever subject it may be whether in real life or online why am i doing this and am i doing it in a way that i think allah will be happy with so inshallah write it down in the comments what are your intentions what is the higher goal behind you wanting to start something new Alhamdulillah, thank you so much for your time. No, Jazakallah for having me. And I really enjoyed this. This was awesome. Alhamdulillah. And don't forget, the real deal is going on at sharediversity.com. Jump on the newsletter, comment below this episode and share your diversity with us. If you enjoyed this episode, like and share with your friends and make sure to rate and review us on iTunes so we can keep creating content that is relevant to you. Until next time, Assalamu Alaikum.